0: Heavenly Father, we thank you for gathering us together today. We thank you for your presence, which is with us. We thank you, Lord, that wherever we're gathered, uh, you are there with us. I thank you for our congregation. I thank you for those who are joined with us today, gathered with us today, uh, through very unusual means today. Uh, But Lord, we know that you are always with us and that it's by your word and by your spirit that we are joined together Bound together um, as your children. Uh, liberated uh, to, to live this life which you've called us to live. Liberated even to be a people who, uh, who walk in forgiveness in the midst of conflict. So Heavenly Father, I thank you and I, and I praise you uh, for all that you have done for us. And Lord, I pray now that you would... Cause our hearts and our minds to be directed towards your word. So, Lord, I pray that you would sanctify us in your truth. Lord, your word is truth. Amen. We've been in the middle of a sermon series, and the sermon series is titled uh, Standing on the Rock. On the Rock. On Jesus we stand. And today we'll talk about standing on the rock in conflict. We live in a world of conflict. Uh, it's hard to, to escape. And I think that for those of us who, uh, who have families and are married, we understand that conflict uh, probably better uh, than, than others. I think we all understand it the same. But uh, conflict is something that we struggle with. And I remember in, in my marriage, the first time I made my wife cry, now, this wasn't the, the happy kind of crying. This was the, oh no, I said something, and what I said hurt her kind of crying. I think most of us husbands have been there. I hope that I'm not the only guy that's, that's uh, made my wife cry by what I've said. But I'll never forget the first time I made her cry. Now, we were actually driving to Mexico for a Mexico mission trip. Uh, driving a van, pulling a trailer. And as we were driving along, there was a certain exit that we needed to get off. And and I don't know if you guys remember that time back when we didn't have GPS. (laughs) You remember the uh, the atlas, the paper atlas, or the paper folding maps? Well, we were using one of those maps. We were driving down I-5. There was a certain exit that we had to turn off of. And as we were driving, I thought, maybe we missed the exit. It just didn't feel quite, quite right. And I, I looked at my wife and I said, uh, did we miss the exit? And she said, I don't think so. I think, I think we're good. And I said, oh, okay. I feel like we might have missed it. And so I keep driving and then, then I'm wondering, man, this just doesn't seem right. So I pull over. I, I take that, that map uh, from her, and I, I study it, and I realize we did miss, miss the exit, and um, here, here's where I made uh, my, my, my big mistake as a husband. Now, may, maybe I would have done this with one of my buddies, and it would have been fine, uh, but it doesn't work, work with, with a wife. After I studied that, I, I kind of took that map or that atlas or whatever, and I, I closed it up. And I threw it in her lap, and I said, learn how to read a map. <laughs> and uh, that was my, my big mistake. So we get back on, on the road. We're driving down the road. And, you know, what I, what I could have said, I could have said something much different. I could have said, well, oh, no, it looks like we, we, we missed the exit. Oh, no, it's, it's 20 miles back. Well, that, that kind of stuff happens. I could have said that, but I didn't. So we get on the road, and driving down the road, and I think everything's okay. It's real quiet in the van. I look over, and there's tears coming down her face. Then I made my second mistake. I said, why are you crying? Then I heard it. Conflict, conflict. We live in a world of conflict, relational conflict. The sermon today is titled Standing on the Rock in Conflict. Conflict causes stress. It ruins relationships. Uh, This is a world in a constant state of conflict. Nations rise against nations. Wars break out. Our, our, Our country is in conflict. We're divided. Some have called us the divided states of America. But we know through history that this is nothing new. There's conflicts in our street, between people, uh, between law enforcement and various movements. There's conflict in our churches. There's conflict in our homes. And no one enjoys conflict. None of us enjoys conflict. But, But here's the thing. We can't avoid conflict. There is no avoiding conflict. Conflict is a result of sin, which has infected all of us. Each and every one of us is infected with this thing called sin. So why conflict? Well, humanity's relationships are broken. This is what the scriptures teach us. Humanity's relationships are broken. And we need to ask the question, why are humanity's relationships broken? Why do we live with this conflict? Why can't we all just get along with each other? The answer? Because of an historical event recorded in the Bible. And we call that historical event the fall. Humanity's fall into sin. We believe and we teach that humanity is God's creation, that we were created by God. And when humanity was created in the beginning, Adam and Eve lived in perfect relationships, their relationships were perfect. They lived in perfect relationship to God, they lived in perfect relationship with one another, and they lived in perfect relationship with creation. The Garden of Eden was was a true paradise. Their relationships were perfect. And we can't even begin to imagine uh, the, that life that our first parents lived before they rebelled against God and before sin entered into the world. But Adam did choose. He chose to rebel. He chose to disobey God's clear commandment. And once Adam and Eve rebelled, their relationships were broken. Paradise was destroyed. Relationships were no longer an easy thing. And when they heard the sound of God walking in the garden, what did they do? They hid themselves. Because they were ashamed. Their sins had caused their relationship with God to be ruined. And the earth was cursed. Now through toil and labor, we make a living and we eat. And humanity began to live in conflict. Listen to this. At some point, after Adam and Eve rebelled, they had a baby boy. That baby boy's name was Cain. And then at some time after Cain was born, they had another baby boy. And that baby's name was Abel. Humanity had grown from two to four. The human race, the human family, began to grow. Well, When we go to Genesis chapter 4, we learn that not all was well within that family. There's conflict in the family. Genesis 4, verse 1. Now Adam knew his wife, Eve, and she conceived and bore Cain. And she said, I've begotten a man with the help of the Lord. And again she bore his brother Abel. Now Abel was a keeper of sheep, and Cain a worker of the ground. In the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground. And Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat portions, And the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering, but for Cain and his offering, he had no regard. So Cain was very angry, and his face fell. And the Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry? And why has your face fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is contrary to you. But you must rule over it. Cain did not heed the word of the Lord. Cain spoke to Abel, his brother. And when they were in the field, Cain rose up against his brother Abel and killed him. Wow. Then the Lord said to Cain, where is is Abel, your brother? He said, I do not know. Am I my brother's keeper? Am I my brother's keeper? What's the response of a sinner. The Lord said, what have you done? The voice of your brother's blood is crying to me from the ground. Conflict. Conflict. It didn't take long for conflict to turn into murder within the first human family. And we're still shocked when, when when people murder, when, when when a man takes another man's life, it shocks us. Maybe we aren't as shocked as we should be. Maybe we should be even more shocked than we are. You see, sin is, is crouching at my door, and sin is crouching at your door. None of us are free of this thing called sin. It's crouching at the door. And, and like Cain, I'm guilty of murder. And like Cain, you are guilty of murder. Now, now, you probably haven't murdered somebody with your hands. I don't think anybody in this room has taken another life with our hands, but, but we've all murdered with our heart, in our hearts, in our thoughts, and in our words. Why? Because we're no different than Cain. Sin is crouching at the door, and its desire is for you. Relationships are hard. Why? We're a broken people. We're a broken people who need who need this relational conflict mended. We need something outside of ourselves, something that's impossible for us to be given to us so that all of our relationships can be mended. But first and foremost, what is most important and what is most important for you today is that that you need your relationship with God to be mended. And that's what I need too. We need our relationship with God to be repaired, to be mended. I believe that when a person's relationship with God is mended, that, it, that it, it has a ripple effect and, and it carries over into every relationship. That when a person has fellowship with God, that, that then affects every other relationship that we live in this world. It makes a difference in every area of life. So today I, I ask the question how is a person's relationship with God mended? How can we have fellowship with God? How can we have that fellowship with Him restored? Well, today we turn in our Bibles to Luke chapter 23, verses 26 through 49. Today we go to the cross. And it's only through the cross that our relationship with God can be mended. And it's through the cross that our hearts are changed and transformed so that we desire to live in a a right relationship with others. So we go to Luke chapter 23, beginning with verse 26. You probably have heard this account so many times. Maybe you've heard it for the first time. I don't know where you're at. Those of you who are gathered with me today or listening or joining it, gathered with us through the Internet. And as they led him away they seized one Simon of Cyrene who was coming in from the country and laid on him the cross to carry it behind Jesus. And there followed him a great multitude of people and of women who were mourning and lamenting for him. And turning to them, Jesus said, Daughters of Jerusalem, do not weep for me, but weep for yourselves and for your children. For behold, the days are coming when they will say, Blessed are the barren and the wombs that never bore and the breasts that never nursed. For they know not what they do. And they cast lots to divide his garments. And the people stood by watching, but the rulers scoffed at him, saying, He saved others, let him save himself. If he is the Christ of God, his chosen one. The soldiers also mocked him, coming up and offering him sour wine, and saying, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. And there was also an inscription over him. This is the king of the Jews. And Jesus said to him, Truly I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. It was now about the sixth hour, and there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour, while the sun's light failed. And the curtain of the temple was torn in two. Then Jesus, calling out with a loud voice, said, Father into your hands I commit my spirit. And having said this he breathed his last. Now when the centurion saw what had taken place, he praised God saying certainly this was this man was innocent. And all the crowd that assembled for the spectacle, when they saw what had taken place, they returned home beating their breasts. And all his acquaintances and the women who had followed him from Galilee stood at a distance watching these things. This is the gospel of the Lord. Why would I choose a reading of Jesus' crucifixion and death to talk about conflict? Why would we go to the cross to talk about conflict? Well I chose to read of Jesus' crucifixion and death because it's only through the sacrificial death of Jesus Christ upon the cross that a person's relationship with God is mended. And it is only when, it, when a person's relationship with God is, is mended that, that that other people's relationships that are broken can be mended. It's only when a person's fellowship with God is mended that our broken relationships uh, can can be reconciled. I think the, the biggest problem within church people in conflict is that we've lost sight of the cross. We've lost sight of the cross when we really have something amazing to offer the world. And that is Jesus and the cross. So if you're trusting in Jesus, who was crucified and resurrected for you, you you really have great hope in conflict. You're standing on the rock. You're standing on the rock. And more than that, the words that Jesus spoke from the cross and the events that transpired on that Friday some 2,000 years ago demonstrate demonstrate that the cross is the means for us to live in a restored relationship with God. So, when you're facing relational conflict in your own life, and you keep your eyes on the cross, keep your eyes on the cross of Jesus Christ, it will make all the difference in the world as you deal with difficult relationships. Relationships. The words of Jesus, the events of that first Good Friday, the Friday of his crucifixion, they are the power of the gospel, their power for you today. First, we want to look at, at the words of Jesus. These words, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Forgiveness Forgiveness is at the heart of mending broken relationships. Forgiveness is the key. That's exactly what Jesus has done for you. Your relationship with God, it is not restored apart from God's forgiveness. In the same way Jesus forgave those who crucified him, he forgives you. The same words that he spoke at the cross, he speaks over you. Father, forgive them. Forgive them. Did you know that today you are forgiven? Forgiven. Those memories, the guilt, the regret, it's forgiven. It's forgiven. Isn't that amazing? Within our human relationships, forgiveness is not given until the wrong is made right. You know know how it goes. I'll forgive that person only if they. Only if they. And you can fill in the blank. The world gives an only if forgiveness. Only if. Only if he does that, only if she does that. Only if. In other words, we withhold forgiveness until the offending party does something to atone for their offense. But God doesn't operate that way. God doesn't demand a sacrifice from us to atone for our wrong. God doesn't say, I'll only forgive you if you do this or if you do that. It's not the way God works. You see, God Himself atoned for our sin by the death of Jesus Christ. God himself atoned for our sin by the death of Jesus Christ. We demand atonement from others in order for our relationships to be mended, but not God. Remember the word of, of uh, John the Baptist, the words of John the Baptist? It, the river Jordan he pointed to Jesus and he said what? Behold what? Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Jesus is the atoning sacrifice for your sins and for the sins of the of the whole world. God says I forgive you because of what my one and only son Jesus has accomplished for you in his life in his death and in his resurrection. And Jesus' death was completely and totally sufficient. Completely sufficient to mend your relationship with God. Something happened very strange on the day that Jesus was crucified. Something happened that was very strange in the temple on the day that Jesus was crucified. In Luke chapter 23, verse 44, we read this. And uh, it was now about the sixth hour. That's noon. It's the sixth hour, and there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour, while the sun's light failed. Hmm. Now look at the next sentence in verse 45. And the curtain of the temple was torn in two. Very significant. Verse 46 then Jesus, calling out with a loud voice, said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And having said this, he breathed his last. The temple curtain was torn in two. For thousands of years, humanity was not allowed into the innermost part of the temple or of the tabernacle. You see, the innermost part of the temple had a curtain that blocked people from entering it because that was the holy of holies. That is where God dwelt among his people. And people were not allowed into the presence of God. Only once a year, the high priest would sacrifice an animal to atone for the people's sin. once a year, the high priest would enter into the holy of holies. see, before Jesus died on the cross, we we couldn't go into God's presence. We couldn't enter into the holy and perfect presence of God Almighty because we were sinful. And we needed our sins to be washed away. We needed the forgiveness that comes through the blood of Jesus Christ. When Jesus had paid the price for humanity's sin upon the cross, the temple was torn in two. And now you have free access into the very presence of God. You can enter into the throne room of God with confidence, with boldness to find grace and mercy from Him. So no longer is humanity separated from God by a curtain. The curtain is torn in two. Now, through the blood of Jesus Christ, you have access to the very throne room, the holy of holies. Why do we need to talk about the cross when we talk about conflict? Because all of our conflict is rooted in the fall, in humanity's sin. Humanity has tried, tried, tried tried to overcome conflict. We all want peace. None of us want war. We want peace in our homes. We want peace in our neighborhoods. But it's evaded us. We can't do it. We can't achieve paradise. But Jesus went to the cross and he opened the door of paradise to us. So today, know that you are standing on the rock, not because of what you have done, but because of the once and for all, completely sufficient sacrifice of Jesus on the cross. And now that your relationship with God has been mended by God himself, your relationships with others can be mended too. Your relationships with others can be, can be mended because you're on the rock in conflict. And by the power of the cross, you too can say, I forgive you. I forgive you. Those are the most liberating words that a person can hear. But those are also some of the most liberating words that a person can speak to to a person who has offended them. To hear that you are forgiven and then to say that I forgive you releases a person from the chains of bondage. Wouldn't it be amazing if those in conflict today could come together and say, I forgive you. I forgive you. You see, forgiveness is a hard thing, if not an impossible thing made possible by our loving God. When you log onto the internet and scroll through the news of the day, you see all the conflict that exists in our nation, When you see neighbors and family and co-workers living in conflict, you might ask, what can I do? Well, as one forgiven by God, you can offer a different way. And that's the way of the cross, the way of Jesus, the way of forgiveness. As Christians, we can offer forgiveness towards others as a fruit of our own mended relationship with God. Because God forgave me, I can forgive others. I can live in such gospel liberty, and I can live in such gospel freedom that I don't have to be held by the painful chains of holding a grudge against another person. I can let it go. I can let it go in the power of God's grace. I can forgive because God forgave me. He forgave me a greater offense than any other person will ever commit against me going to be sinned against, people are going to offend us, people are going to wrong us. But that wrong, how, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a big deal, it's, it's a hard thing, Jesus has forgiven us so much more than we will ever be asked to forgive another person. Well, what if they don't want to be reconciled? What if I do everything, but the the offending party doesn't respond? Well, really, that's, that's none of your business. If you base your forgiveness on the other person's response to your overture, you don't get it. You are free to forgive regardless of what the other person does or fails to do. You are free to forgive. And what the other person does with that, that's up to them. That's up to them. Be free today, be free. Today I read the testimony of a young man, Hashim Garrett. Fifteen-year-old was living with his mother in Brooklyn, New York when he was shot six times, causing him to be paralyzed from the waist down. May 7th, 1990 seemed like any other day, but my state of mind, he says, wasn't good. He said, I was smoking weed, drinking, and not wanting to attend school. He said, I had this evil streak in me. I was so angry, and because I was hurting, because I was hurting, I wanted to hurt others. He says, that evening, some friends called called for me and told me not to bring my gun, which I assumed was because they didn't want me to get arrested. I thought they cared for me, but in fact, they had a plan to have me killed. They were trying to teach me a lesson for being too confident. One bullet hit me in the spine and paralyzed me instantly. I remember yelling, I got shot, I got hit. I knew something was terribly wrong with that one bullet. The cycle of harm came back to haunt me because six months prior to this shooting, I had shot a kid over drugs, and now it was happening to me. So I could hear the police, and I could hear the the neighbors gathering and saying, He's dying. All I wanted was my mother. I wanted to be held and not die with my entire community staring at me. It was so strange because at the same time as feeling all this fear, I could also literally feel evil leaving my body. I had been this angry person who wanted to hurt people, but as soon as I hit the ground, there was no anger left. That tough kid just vanished. So as I spent six months in the hospital, and that was where the real paradigm shift happened. I had plenty of time to look at my life and realize that I had Hated everyone, I'd hated everyone. My mom's boyfriend for being a violent alcoholic, my mother for not walking away from him, my dad for not saving me, and of course I hated myself too. I'd been a kid with a loving family and a good environment, but had chosen to embrace anger and hate. When I left the hospital, I was homeschooled. I went to physical therapy three times a week and was with my mom constantly. We really connected during that time. She lived in this world of denial, always believing I could go to college and live a great life. There's one reason why I'm here today. She got me to believe, to never believe that I was disabled. I wanted to be an investment banker, but in college I lost my way because of the temptations. I skipped class and eventually was put on academic probation. I knew I was screwing up my life. And my mother told me to ask God what I was supposed to do. The very next day, I got a call asking me for the first time to tell my story, to teach kids about violence prevention. I realized then that this was what I wanted to do with my life. Helping others became my healing. He says forgiveness began in the hospital. As my friends were seeking blood and revenge, I tell them to let it go because I knew that violence wasn't the answer. Later I was asked uh, by breaking the cycle to talk in schools about forgiveness. Soon I found out that forgiveness was the hardest word to say in public. At first the word sounded so strange and in front of inner-city kids but I, but I knew that um, Martin Luther King had talked about forgiveness, and so they became my mentors. The more I understood what they had said about the power of forgiveness, the more I knew it was my path. Nowadays, when I talk about drugs and guns to young people, I always talk about forgiveness too. I always tell them that forgiveness is extremely difficult. It takes more courage to forgive than to be violent. I also tell them that what happened when I was 15 taught me that that, that hating turns you into a hateful person. I hated violent, abusive people, so, so I became violent and abusive. I hated bullies, so I became a bully. I hate holds on to you, whereas forgiveness frees you. And if you want to forgive others, then first you need to learn to forgive. And we receive the forgiveness that comes from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. It is a free, it is is a free thing. It is a gift that we cannot earn. Conflict, we can't escape it. We can't avoid it. Conflict comes from sin. Jesus overcame sin by his death on the cross. And by the death of Jesus, you are forgiven. Your relationship with God is restored. You are free in Christ. Please do not use your freedom in Christ as an opportunity to sin. Rather, use your liberty in Jesus to freely forgive those who have offended you. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you and we praise you for your grace and your mercy. Thank you for the free forgiveness which you have given to us. Lord, we are free in you. And help us to use that freedom, Lord, to share the love of the cross, to give to others just a little of what you've given to us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.